Hello, it's Andrew May and welcome to the Performance Intelligence Podcast, Bite Size Edition. This is where we take a clip from a previous podcast and amplify it for you in a snack-sized format. Do you know what your business values are? Not talking about reading it off the wall, but do you really know if someone asked you on the spot, what are your values and why are they important to the company you work in? In this masterclass in Bite Size Edition, Pedrago Sullivan gives some great tips on how businesses of all different sizes should be living up to their values. Padraig explains why values are so important for small, for medium and for large business and why they become more critical as your business grows in size. The more you grow, the more you scale, the more important it is to have really clearly defined values. Pod also gives a great example of companies that stick to its values, even to the point of firing multiple clients when those clients' actions clash with their company values. I found this intriguing. I totally agree with it. And I love Podrag's advice or guidance about getting the values clear, but more importantly, making sure you live and breathe and act them every single day in your business. What pillars should people be looking at? So when I think about this, obviously you've got your leadership training and development and a vision of your business, but then we start talking about values and vision and behaviors. Can you talk to me about that because a lot of people get confused and I think they look at this and sort of rewind the three different business types we've spoken about, the smaller business, uh, then the business person that's wanting to grow and evolve the business and then we've got, okay, let's scale and get other partners in. What's uniform throughout those? For businesses that are scaling, like for a small business, the word values is probably never even thought about or or talked about. So, you know, five people or less, it's probably an interesting conversation once at the pub and that's it. Because values are, are so obvious because you can see it happening around each other. You've got a small number of people, you know, you can see our, our, our leader or the owner, you can see that they value this because every time they make a decision, it goes towards that particular thing. You can, you know, straight away what they value. If it's a retail, you, you know, it'll be, you know, it'll be either volume of sales, it'll be net profit, it'll be whatever. Like you'll see immediately because the business owner lives that every single day. The figure that people use when they're talking about you know, how much can I influence other people? It tends to be, you know, five to 20 people around me. It's very obvious. 25 to 50, it starts needing structure to talk to me because I can't talk to 50 people around me every single day. It caps out at 150. As in the most number of people I can influence on a regular basis, the most number of people whose names I can remember, you know, their, their family's names, their dog's names, it caps out at around 150. So somewhere between 50 and 150, we need to start putting in systems, structures, protocols, processes that allow us to not have to do all of the work of scaling, as in the system is now starting to scale us. So when we talk about scaling leadership, what we really mean is the way you lead five or 10 people, how do you do something similar across 50, 150, 500, 1,000? That's scaling leadership. In a small business, and for, the, for this conversation, let's say small is you know, up to like 50 or 100, that, that kind of notion Systems start with a small business is, you know, does everyone understand the opening hours, the, the manual protocols, whatever that business is. When you start getting to like 50 odd people, by nature now in teams, you've got three or four teams of people. It might be shift workers, if it's a consulting business, it might be the consultants and the accountants and the whatever it is, but there's a different small number of teams there. Therefore, the processes go towards teams, the interplay between teams, do we have a common deadline that we need to deliver by, et cetera, the communications amongst the groups. So processes will start looking at, you know, do we have a re- you know, regular meeting structure? Do we have agendas? Do we have quarterly results? That kind of thing. Nothing onerous, 
but it's starting to give information to everybody so everyone knows what we're talking about. Once you start hitting those numbers, decisions need to be consistent. And this is where values come in. So values are useful to help leaders understand and help everyone else to be aware of. We make decisions like this because we value this. So when it comes to making tough decisions or unclear decisions or decisions that have got three or four different solutions, we go back to what we value and that guides our decisions. So as an example, if we believe that getting revenue is the most important thing, and I have a sales guy on my team who was brilliant bringing in revenue, but they are crap to work with, but my value is revenue trumps all, guess what's going to happen to that salesperson? They're going to get rewarded every single time. And that's either a said value or a non-said value, but every single time I'm at risk of losing this guy, therefore I'm at risk of losing revenue versus he's upset, you know, Johnny in, in, the, in, the, in the other department, I don't care. That's a value in action. May not be the best value, but it's a value in action. Versus we actually heard, I was with some the other day who are in a digital marketing agency. They've got about 40 folks. For them, one of the core values is, are our staff engaged and happy to be here? It's a core value. They fire two of their clients in the previous six months because the clients were too hard to work with. They fired their clients, fired not staff, the clients. clients, yeah. I love that. That's a value in action. You know, we value our staff. We looked at the revenue from this client. We looked at how hard they were to work with. They were not fair. They were becoming aggressive. We fired them. So I think one of the biggest misnomers is that saying client is always right always focus on the customer rubbish if your customers are pain in the ass they're not right get rid of them i think the right clients are often right as in mm. we think about what we want to do where we want to specialize and and you know, the, you know, the work that we're best at whatever that your small business is and the kind of group of clients that fit that bill they're the right clients for you so hopefully you can work in such a way that they feel right most of the time because it feels good for you it doesn't mean that they have carp blanche that when they make, make mistakes, you just look it over. That's not the case. The idea of every client is right the whole time, I think that's a misnomer. Hi again, it's Andrew, and I hope you really enjoyed that episode. We would appreciate if you helped to amplify the Performance Intelligence Podcast by sharing episodes with your friends and with your colleagues by going to iTunes and leaving a rating and review. This really does help get the message out to a wider audience and I love reading the comments as well. If you'd like to know more about booking me as a speaker at your next annual conference or company offsite or purchasing one of the books I've written, including MatchFit, or if you'd just like to receive my monthly e-newsletter, which is called the AM edition, that has stacks of information specific to all things human performance, go to andrewmay.com. And we'll see you on the next edition of Performance Intelligence. Thank you.